This is Robert Merdlanchi, Chief Digital Curator of the Mindshare Learning Report, Canada's Learning and Technology Magazine. This podcast is brought to you by C21 Canada, Canadians for 21st Century Learning Innovation. I'm honoured to have joined me this morning for a Mindshare Learning Moment, Curtis Brown, Superintendent, South Slave Divisional Education Council in Fort Smith, Northwest Territories in the wonderful country of Canada. He's a recipient of numerous awards, including Canada's Superintendent of the Year and is a member of the C21 CEO Academy. Thank you for joining me this morning, Curtis. Good morning, Robert. Well, I was so impressed uh, when I I read your bio and, and all your accomplishments and, and your progressive leadership. And uh, uh, let's touch on that and what inspired you uh, to pursue and lead to your current position? Well, I, and I probably, I, I came north, uh, I, uh, straight out of university, University of Calgary, I had a physical education degree, and uh, uh, phys ed teachers were a dime a dozen at the time, in the <laughs> uh, late 80s, and uh, I was into uh, adventure, so I took the first offer that was given to me, it was in Baffin Island, the Northwest Territories, and I tease, I tease now that I thought I was going to a tropical island, but I ended up in Baffin. <laughs> um, but I, but I ended up having a, just a, the best experience there. I stayed four years um, in Cape Dorset, um, which is kind of the carving and the art capital of the of the North, and uh, truly enjoyed my time there. I teach a visit teacher my first year. Um, uh, homeroom teacher the next, uh, vice principal the next. So if, if you have any kind of uh, <laughs> aptitude, I guess, for that, and and you stay long enough, uh, there's an opportunity for uh, movement into leadership positions. And it all it all just unfolded from there, where I, I went into a principalship uh, um, at 27 Fantastic. years old, back back over. Well, that was that was that was young. To, so you've really accelerated. And I have to say, a, a lot of the leaders I meet often have a sports background. Uh, do you see a connection to that? Uh, well, I do, actually. When I was in Calgary, um, two superintendents of the two um, boards of education in Calgary came to visit uh, the teachers at the University of Calgary, and both of them had a sports background at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they actually commented on, because of the upbringing on teams, having to work in, on teams and to work effectively with teams to be successful, right. Um, that that's uh, the perfect uh, roadway, I guess, or highway to uh, leadership roles if you have any kind of desire for that. To be honest with you, I didn't mm-hmm. that at that time. Desire at the time, no. But you know, it, it always seems like the cream rises to the top, and leadership is something that, when you have those skills that you've nurtured, and sometimes not knowingly, it just becomes a natural progression, if you will. I, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the opportunities um, present themselves, and you have a decision to make. You know, do you right. take the, the larger door, or do you, or do you not? And I, I love challenges. So. Yeah, and there's always that risk of you know failure, and you know, as athletes, and you know, I'm I'm a recovering hockey 
player that still, you know, likes to get out, you know, and play old timer hockey. You know, you, you, you take risks and you, you thrive on challenges and, and you learn to deal with defeat. Yeah. You build some resiliency. Uh, right. In sports, uh, there's only one winner and often you're not it. So that's right. Well, that's a good segue to, you know, the whole concept around skills and preparing students for the global knowledge-based economy and and how how are you and, and i understand that uh, is it the yukon has changed their curriculum recently uh, and and yours is like the notion of experiential learning and and relevancy to the environment is really important and you're in a unique environment where you're based in the northwest absolutely i mean we we have a over 70% of our students are, are of Aboriginal descent, um, and I'd say one in four of those students are on student support plans. And uh, we um, we recognize that we have to look at things uh, differently here in order to maximize engagement of students and maximize the engagement of parents in education so that hopefully we're all working together as a team for the best education for the students. And... Uh, uh, we follow, we have our own Northwest Territories curriculum from mm-hmm. kindergarten up the grades. Where we're in, where we don't have our own curriculum is in the high school courses, and we follow Alberta. In right. That case. Right. And uh, we also uh, um, implement the Alberta diploma exams for grade 12 to ensure that our students are meeting a, a standard there. But uh, about five years ago, um, Recognizing that less than half of our students were coming night to school ninety percent of the time, in other words, our our absenteeism is very high. Right. Um, a good portion, more than half of our students, are missing a, at least a full year of school by the time they get. Wow. Now, is the climate part of it, or just the lack of commitment and challenges I, they I, face? I think. Um, well, I understand that there's a kind of a declining enrollment and engagement and increasing right. dropout probably right across uh, you know North America. Right. It's probably exasperated here where you've got the legacy of students dealing with the, the fallout of the legacy of residential schools. Right, right. Many parents haven't, been, haven't had a good um, school experience themselves. And so, and I remember reading... Um, that in Aboriginal communities, typically there's there's the ethic of non-interference of parents um, because they love their kids um, right. are giving them opportunity to make their own decisions at an earlier age or earlier age than perhaps I wow. would. So what we're then trying to do is find ways to uh, make um, school really interesting um, and a place where students want to be. And so you, you asked the question about, you know, how are, how are we doing that? And mm-hmm. inquiry-based learning is, is one of the things that we've engaged in recently that, right. that, uh, that we think um, will, will better engage our students. Um, in, and, uh, you know, about six years ago, we were, tra- we were thinking outside the box in terms of ways to, to right. get students into school. And uh, we, we connected with the Galileo Network affiliated with... Yeah, the University of Calgary, Calgary yes. Yeah. Susan Friesen. So, yeah, so we had facilitators come up for a two-day in-service there. And uh, in this region, we're very good at um, uh, multi-level alignment, uh, making sure that we're all kind of thinking the same thing. 
we're committed to implementing new initiatives with fidelity and giving it at a good go right. to find out if it works here in this context. Absolutely. And, uh, and then uh, making decisions as we go as well. So, you know, our teachers are, are, are seeing themselves more as activators, guides on the side as opposed yes. to sage, sages on the stage. And right. Truly helping students um, identify and solve real-world problems. Um, yeah. Using using 21st century skills like research and collaboration, problem solving, and communicating their presenting their evidence and so on. And I know as a student, that's the, those were the most memorable experiences I had when we, when we were working on a specific project to solve a problem. And when it, you bring it to real world experiences, that it's it's impactful. Now, how does uh, technology come into the equation? I, I know that bandwidth is always a challenge. Even inner city schools, I'll tell you, have challenges as well in, in, in the GTA. When when you're dealing with old schools and thick walls, you know, that well, things we, don't bounce around that well. Yes. Well, you know, the phone and email are still amazing technologies. Well, that's what we're using today. That's, that's <laughs> and, and absolutely. You know, as, as you and I are doing right now, um, sure. We we spend a lot of time with uh, teleconferencing, um, and we have a first class email system, okay, bulletin board service, where we um, we use that as our email system across the territories so in education only, right? And we share resources, so we have folders of resources. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. And, uh, and we're getting more into a Google Docs. One of our schools here in this community is, is big into, you know, Google site, Google Docs, um, making changes to documents on the fly right. um, in a collaborative uh, way. We, our board has a Facebook page that's becoming increasingly popular. But uh, you're good. right, we do have significant challenges in that, um, you know, we, a couple of our communities only got... Uh, um, cell phone service a couple years ago. Wow. Now, and, what about uh, the Connected North? Is that program made its way into your district? Uh, that's uh, with Cisco. No, I've not heard of that. Uh, you know, I should put them in touch with you because they're doing some initiative. It, it might be in Nunavut. Uh, it's called the Connected okay. North, and it's using video conferencing and partnered with Cisco and, and taking it global. That's a member of our C21 board. So That, uh, would, be, that would be excellent. We're Definitely put them in touch. Our download speed for the region right now is 10 megabits per second. Okay. And in our small outlying communities, fly-in only communities, um, our connections are via satellite. Wow. And so it's half of that, five megabytes per, per second. And so video freezing and dropping connections are uh, are common. Well, I'll definitely put them in touch and, and uh, see what might be doable because the technology is always improving and bandwidth requirements are being minimized and adapted, so uh, yeah. always willing I, I, to lend a hand. Yeah, I shouldn't. I should mention as well that uh, you know we don't we don't let that completely get in our way. We mm -hmm. have, we have a thousand devices in the region for our uh, thirteen hundred students. Uh, oh, fantastic! So it's almost one to one. Yeah, almost one to one, and that's that's double since five years ago. We only fantastic. Yeah, and of course um, we're. One of the uh, the Galileo network. One of the things that they push for is technology integration within our inquiry projects, and we've required each of our teachers to design and deliver at least two inquiry projects a year, and to write up one and post wow. it on our our first class bulletin board. And we've uh, 
we've just looked through them recently and noticed that 70% of them have a technology component to them. That's fantastic. You know, whether that's um, students creating videos or PowerPoints or doing online research or uh, digital brochures or Skyping with subject matter experts, those kinds of things. So we, we can still do, we can still do those things. That's that's amazing. You know, when when you when you have that requirement, that that you know, if you make it optional, it it, it doesn't always happen. But that requirement, it's not a huge requirement either. It helps make that digital bridge, if you will, to to infusing technology in a more in an everyday classroom. Yeah, and it, and for for those, you know, it wasn't that long ago that uh, I'd say about half of us in the school board were just didn't use technology and were right. afraid of it. And right. uh, so when you when you implement even just email and kind of expect that that's right. the way that we're going to communicate at a distance now, uh, people start to get onto it. Absolutely. Now, yeah. speaking of distances, you've got challenges in getting to some of your schools. So what are some of the unique ways that you've had to travel to get out to visit some of the schools? Well, most of, in my region, uh, I'm pretty lucky. We're right on the Alberta border, and the southern, right. Uh, we're in the banana belt of the Northwest Territory. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. And, uh, we can travel by road to most of our communities. Most of our travel is uh, two and a half to three hours. Oh, okay. Community, but we have one community that's fly-in only, so we charter on uh, you know two and four right. uh, seater planes, or we. Uh, or we take the scheduled flights that takes two days to get in there uh, via right. Yellowknife. Um, so there's that. But in terms of um, content or course delivery, we also have a pilot, a distance education pilot project okay. with, um, with, with the Beaufort Delta, and that's the area up in where Anu- Anuvik is. Right. Um, they have um, uh, instructors sitting in a class with video conferencing uh, um, uh, happening um, with uh, students in Fort Resolution, which is the oldest community in the Northwest Territories here in the South Slave region. Wow. And um, they're taking the, basically their academic courses in that way with, uh, with a qualified, a good instructor, excellent instructors uh, based in Inuvik. And, uh, and they'll have an, uh, either a teacher or an education assistant, maybe even a volunteer in Fort Resolution, who are supporting the students as they work their, three, their way through the courses uh, basically being offered as at a distance, but still having that face-to-face contact with the instructor, being able to ask questions uh, while there's also a class in, right in front of the instructor as well. Right. We're having a, a lot better success with that than with the old correspondence course model. Oh, absolutely. And the whole notion of blended learning is quite compelling. That's how I completed my master's. And, uh, yeah. It's very engaging. Well, thank you so much for uh, your time this morning, Curtis. I re- really appreciate it. The great conversation and insight, and keep up the wonderful work that you're doing in the in the Northwest. My my absolute pleasure. Thank you, Robert. That was Curtis Brown, Superintendent, South Slave Divisional Education Council in Fort Smith, Northwest Territories of Canada. My name is Robert Mardlanchi, the Mindshare Learning Report. Be sure to check out www.mindsharelearning.com to get your latest issue of the Mindshare Learning Report. And until next time, keep the learning curve steep.